Good morning, my friends, and welcome to yet another scintillating installment of Weekend Update. From high above all other puerile and insipid forms of Wyoming mainstream media, this is Cowboy State Politics. I, of course, am your illustrious host, David Iverson, firmly ensconced behind the silver Cowboy State Politics microphone and broadcasting to you from the depths of the middle swamp in Wyoming's capital of Cheyenne. Well, good morning, my friends, and welcome to the program. Our top story for this morning is absolutely going to blow your mind. Well, actually, you're not going to be all that surprised, but it's a pretty big revelation. Now, before we get there, some notes on what's happened in the legislature the past few days. This will come as absolutely no surprise to anyone, but our legislature, the House of Representatives specifically, voted themselves a raise. Wyoming's citizen legislature is not paid an annual salary. Rather, they get $150 per day and $109 a day per diem. Article 3, Section 9 of the Wyoming Constitution prevents legislators from increasing the amount they are paid for their legislative duties during their current legislative session. So in other words, um, they can't raise their pay for the, le- the session that they were elected to. It would have to take effect for the next section. Here's what the Constitution says, and I quote, No member of either house shall during the term for which he was elected receive any increase of salary or mileage under any law passed during that term. So they can't increase their paycheck. However, there's a number of other ways that Wyoming legislators are compensated for the work that they do for Wyoming citizens. One of those is called constituent services. Each legislator in the state of Wyoming is currently paid $750 per quarter for this constituent services. And the idea is you have to be compensated if you're going to travel to the far reaches of Wyoming counties to meet with constituents. And this helps bolster that. Constituent services is not included in Article 3, Section 9 of the Wyoming Constitution because it's a reimbursement. But it doesn't work like a reimbursement that you are familiar with. Most of us Wyoming citizens, if we're going to be reimbursed by our employer, have to provide receipts for the money that we spent doing whatever it is that we were doing. Not so with the Wyoming legislature. That $750 is just automatically deposited into their account every three months. So while they're technically not increasing their pay, they're increasing their stipend for constituent services. The theory being, if they're paid more money to reach out to their constituents, then that'll actually happen. Yeah, right. Well, on Thursday, the House of Representatives voted to increase that amount by $250 per quarter. Now, if we assume that each legislator works 20 hours a week, which, by the way, for a lot of them, that's a big stretch and pretty generous. But let's just assume that they work 20 hours a week. In effect, they gave themselves a dollar an hour raise. I don't think that I have to ask this question, but how many of you got a dollar an hour bump in the last year? My guess is not very many. That, in and of itself, is not all that surprising. All of us just kind of assume that they're politicians and that's what they're going to do. An unfortunate side effect of having a system that requires politicians. But that's not the end of the story. The measure actually failed on its first vote, and then they used a little trick called a motion to reconsider. 
How that works is if you have a vote coming up and you're pretty sure that it's going south, you get one of the people on your side to switch their vote to the other side because a motion to reconsider requires that the person bringing the motion had to vote on the prevailing side. And so what happened is Representative Clark Stiff changed his vote and voted against the pay increase. That way, immediately after the vote, he could move to reconsider the motion and they could do it all over again. Now, as you can imagine, this is a particularly precarious vote for some legislators who may be a little bit more liberal than the county that they come from. And so... What they had to do was get those other legislators who had voted against the pay increase to change their vote to make sure that this thing passed. And wouldn't you know, I have the documents to prove it. There are four members of the House of Representatives that initially voted against the pay increase that changed their vote the second time around to make sure that it had passed. The first one is Representative John Conrad from Uinta County. And the second one is Johnson County's own Barry Crago. Now, I happen to know for a fact that there aren't that many people in Johnson County that got a dollar an hour raise over the past year. Representative Crago should take that $250 and go explain it to each and every single person that didn't get a raise why he should get one. Next on the list is Kevin O'Hearn and then Clark Stiff. Now, there are two representatives that evidently came to their senses and voted against the measure the second time around. The first is Lane Allred from Lincoln County. The second is Scott Heiner, who represents Lincoln, Sweetwater, and Uinta County. In the grand scheme of things, and considering the dollar amounts that these folks deal with on a daily basis, $1,000 a year really isn't that big of an issue. But it is a big issue for Wyoming citizens who are suffering from crippling inflation, eggs that are through the roof, and an increase in just about everything that they purchase on a daily basis. A dollar an hour would go a long ways for Wyoming citizens. So it begs the question, why these representatives in the House are so spendthrift with our money? Why do they think that it's not a big deal to give themselves a raise while Wyoming citizens aren't getting one? Perhaps that's a question you should ask all of your representatives, and it just so happens that I've posted copies of the paperwork that proves everything that I just told you at CowboyStatePolitics.com. A couple of other items that are of particular interest to Wyoming citizens, the ban on mask and vaccine mandates as it relates to COVID-19 passed the House on second reading. Now, this one's going to continue to be a a pretty big fight in the legislature. At least it was the first two go-arounds. Where it sits right now is the Redcoats in the House added a criminal penalty to it. Basically, they set up what's called a poison pill for the bill to make it less palatable on third reading. The idea being that if it's a criminal penalty, more people in the House will vote against it. Now, this might be a little bit confusing because the original version of the bill did have a criminal penalty in it. And that was stripped out in committee, the thinking being that it would, be e- it would make it easier to pass if that criminal penalty wasn't in the bill. Instead, it was amended 
during the committee of the whole to be a civil penalty instead of a criminal one. So in other words, if your employer tries to force you to wear a mask, then you would have an opportunity to sue them for it. It's against the law, but the remedy is a civil one, and it makes you take personal responsibility for what was done to you. That's a little bit different than a criminal penalty because a criminal penalty would involve the police in the matter. And a criminal penalty would make it less likely that some of the Redcoats would vote for it. That's why the bill was amended on second reading to do that. It was, it's an attempt to make sure that that bill fails final passage. So that one will be up next week. After the break, a lesson in how to steal a fairgrounds. I know that none of you have ever contemplated that, nor did you think that it was even possible. But my friends, in the People's Republic of Jackson, there are a great many things that are possible that would never happen in any other place in Wyoming. We'll get back to the program in just a second. But first, a completely obscene profit timeout. Cowboy State Politics is brought to you by Morton Buildings. If you're in the market for an outbuilding or a garage or a barn or a roping arena or maybe a giant warehouse for your business, then you should call my friends Nick and Jesse at Morton Buildings. These two guys are the experts in metal building construction. They've been doing it longer than anybody else around, and I'm telling you, my friends, they're the best at what they do. So give them a call. 307-674-2532, or you can check them out on their website at mortonbuildings.com. It's Saturday morning, and you know what I'm thinking about? Hot wings. Hot wings from the Winget Food Truck. They make the most amazing hot wings in the state of Wyoming. And it's not just hot wings. They have several other different flavors. I personally recommend the garlic parmesan wings. They're incredible. The way you can figure out where that truck is going to be is to go to CowboyStatePolitics.com underneath the Sponsors tab, and you'll find their schedule there. That way, you can plan your entire week around where that truck is going to be. The Buffalo Wool Company makes the, mo the warmest socks that I've ever put on my feet. I'm telling you, my friends, you can tromp around in the snow all day long, and your feet are going to stay nice and toasty warm. And they're perfect for tromping around the house when it's snowing like it is right now. So go to their website, thebuffalowoolco.com, and get you a pair of the warmest socks that you'll ever own. And now, back to the program and a lesson in how to steal the entire fairgrounds. There's a housing problem pretty much everywhere in Wyoming. There's a lot of people that want to move to our great state, and yet property values are through the roof. There's a house right across the street from where my parents live in Buffalo, and it's an old house. I'm pretty sure it was moved to Buffalo from Midwest, but it's a small house, and it's old, and it sold for $400,000. And all of us have felt the sting of increased property taxes across Wyoming. There are people that have had their property taxes double in the last year. So across Wyoming, housing is a big issue. 
That problem is magnified in the most expensive place in the entire country to buy property, Jackson Hole, Wyoming. Even though Jackson is chocked full of ultra-rich people like Bill Gates and Harrison Ford, there are still everyday, normal Wyoming citizens like you and me that live there and have for generations. And the vast majority of the workforce in Jackson are people just like you and me. The only problem is hardly any of them can afford to live there because property values are so high. So it's a big problem. Does everybody remember the phrase, never let a good crisis go to waste? Well, those people on the Jackson Town Council and the Teton County Commissioners certainly haven't forgotten it. In fact, they're making use of the housing problem in Teton County to benefit themselves and private developers in Jackson. And they're using the historic Teton County Fairgrounds to do it. Now, the fairgrounds in Jackson is not unlike any fairgrounds across the great state of Wyoming. In fact, in just about every community in our great state, the fairgrounds is almost the epicenter of the entire community. In Buffalo, even when there's all of that white stuff on the ground, the fairgrounds is used by any number of groups year-round to do things like bake sales and auctions and all sorts of get-togethers, weddings, and you name it, the fairgrounds gets used. And it is the same in every community in Wyoming, including Jackson Hole. The county fairgrounds in every Wyoming community serves as an affordable meeting place for any number of groups in that particular county. And that's the, sa the same is true in Jackson. In fact, the Hispanic community in Jackson frequently uses the fairgrounds to hold weddings and parties and fiestas and you name it. It's the one place in Jackson where people can meet and it won't cost them an arm and a leg. Now, it's an important to point out that the people that are pushing this are Democrats. You heard me right. The very people that claim to be the defenders of all manner of minority are the folks that are trying to take the one meeting place away from any sort of minority community in Teton County that is actually affordable. I don't know about you, but that sounds pretty racist to me. Anyhow, here's their plan, or at least it's the one that they're telling the public. They want to use one acre of the Teton County Fairgrounds to put quote, affordable housing on. And remember, as I mentioned, that affordable housing is going to start at 500 grand a unit. And that way that they can have a good place for all of the workers and servants and everyday blue collar, normal Wyoming citizens to live in Jackson. But that's not their real plan at all. And it's certainly not the one they're telling Wyoming citizens. After 15 years, they plan to give that piece of the historic Teton County Fairgrounds to a private developer, lock, stock, and barrel, and that way he can sell it at current market prices. But it gets worse, my friends. They're not just interested in one acre of the historic Teton County Fairgrounds. The Democrats in Teton County want to get their hands on the entire Teton County Fairgrounds and give it all to this developer. And it just so happens I have the documents to prove it. You see, a lot of times these Democrats, they're so arrogant in their plans that they put exactly what they're going to do out in plain view. Now, sometimes you have to look a little bit harder to find it, but eventually you will because they've put it out there for all to see. And this is no different, my friends, from the contract between Teton County and this private developer. 
and I quote, lower income occupancy period. The law requires units to be rent restricted and occupied by income eligible households for at least 15 years, called the compliance period, with an extended use period of at least another 15 years for a total of 30 years. Skip a little bit, and here it is, my friends. Where states do not mandate longer restricted use periods, an owner may submit a request to the HFA to sell a project or convert it to market rate during year 14 or 15 year of the compliance period. The HFA then has one year to find a buyer willing to maintain the rent restrictions for the balance of the 30-year period. If the product property cannot be sold to such a preservation purchaser, then the owner's obligation to maintain rent-restricted units is removed and lower-income tenants receive enhanced vouchers enabling them to remain in their units for three years. In other words, my friends, in 15 years, whatever they build on that one acre reverts to the private developer, and the low-income housing in Teton County is no more. So basically, my friends, Teton County officials have no intention whatsoever of creating affordable housing. It's a private land deal. And here's the icing on the cake. They have no intention of it remaining one acre. They want the entire fairgrounds. Now, let me just ask you this, my friends. What do you think 12.35 acres in the middle of Jackson Hole, Wyoming is worth at market rate? From the website, jacksontetonplan.com. Now, this is in the fine print, so you'll have to look for it to find it. I'll post a screenshot at cowboystatepolitics.com as well as a link to this specific page. And I quote, their task, to prepare a conceptual neighborhood plan for the fairground site the rodeo grounds institutional area to best allocate the community's remaining residential density within the overall cap in a manner that best optimizes the balanced comprehensive plan. End quote. They want the entire historic Teton County fairground site, my friends, yet they're only telling you they want one acre. And if that weren't enough, my friends, Take a wild guess who the chairman of the Teton County Commissioners is. His name is Luther Probst, and he's the husband of Teton County Representative Liz Store. So here you have an elected member of the Wyoming House of Representatives being directly tied to a group that is trying to steal the historic Teton County Fairgrounds. And shocker, they're all lying to you about how they want to go about it. I spoke with Teton County residents Blair Moss and Joe Stong. They're actively involved in an effort to save the historic Teton County Fairgrounds. Here's our discussion. I'm joined this evening by Blair Moss and Joe Stong, and they're spearheading an effort to save the Jackson Hole Fairgrounds. So, guys, welcome to Cowboy State Politics. Thank you so much for having us. Yeah, good to be here. So, as I understand it, there's an effort afoot to turn at least part of the fairgrounds in Jackson Hole into, quote, affordable housing, which I got to tell you guys, I live in Buffalo, and there's nothing in Jackson that's affordable housing from my perspective. But, but anyway, so correct me if I'm wrong, Blair, but there's a developer that the town wants to give, basically give, one acre to so he can put up, quote, workforce housing. Is yes, that right? Correct. Okay, and after 15 years, and this this blows my mind, but after 15 years, the property reverts to the private developer. 
Yes, and he can t- and he can sell it or turn it into market rate housing. It no longer has to be workforce housing. The other part of it too is because they're getting federal grant money, and one of the things the town says all the time is that anyone it, this is going to help the people in the town, the workforce of the people in the town of Jackson. But because they're getting federal grant money for this deal, they actually have to open up the housing to everybody nationally. So if somebody in New Jersey applies for housing and they meet the criteria better than somebody in Jackson, then that person in New Jersey gets to live in that workforce housing. Wow. Okay, so what, Joe, what are we doing to, to try to prevent this deal from going through? Well, at first we went out to the people because we are small government people and we think that the, the locals should govern their own lives. And so the obvious thing would, do, would be to get the locals of Jackson Hole involved and potentially do a referendum. But that's been taken off the table by the town, so that's not possible. Then with federalism, if the locals can't get something done democratically and it's just going to get pushed through, uh, that's when you bring it to a higher level. And that's what we're doing through the state to see what we can do to maintain the Western heritage from a state perspective. So where where are the county commissioners in this? Are they are they all in the bag with the developer? Yeah, nobody on the, the county commissioners are not supporting what we're doing. Okay. All right. So... You've got a bill that's being run in the legislature, and last I heard it was assigned to a committee. Yes, the travel committee, yes. Okay, has it, has it been heard in the committee yet? Not yet, no. We're hoping next week. Okay, so tell me about the bill. Well, the bill is we're trying to save, so we're trying to save the whole 12.35 acres that are left. We actually also want to reclaim, uh, so there's a public works, and it's possibly that's part that's been taken over the years, and it, there's talk of that being moved. And if that's moved, we want to reclaim that land for the fairgrounds and rodeo. And so our goal is to make it a state historic site, so that it can no long that is protected in perpetuity for our Western heritage and for the people of Jackson and Teton County. And it should be noted that a lot of the towns. Uh the government would say that this is not needed because they have no plans to do anything to the fairgrounds. If so, then, well, one more uh, redundant government bill, who cares? Uh, But we have every reason to believe that they're not, um, that they don't envision it being a fairgrounds after 2030. Because the precedent is they've been renewing the lease for little bits at a time, four to seven years at a time over the years. the precedent has been already established in that they've given this developer a 99-year lease for that one acre. So it is entirely within their control to give the entire ground a 99-year lease. They could they could reserve it for 99 years, all 26 acres, if they wanted to. It's entirely within their 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 power to do so, to ver- to guarantee that the the it'll be the fairgrounds and rodeo f- for the rest of this century. Um, the fact that they're not doing that is, is sort of the dog that's not barking. And, and another important fact in all of this is they'll say they're working to – that it's not a good site, right, and that they're working to find another site. There is no other site. So 97% of Teton County is federally owned, protected land. 3% can be developed. We ha- and actually the, the town and our group have talked to all the big landowners and there's no one who wants to sell the town any land for a fairgrounds and rodeo because the people, the homestead families, the old families, everybody wants to keep this fairgrounds and rodeo in the heart of Jackson. So, there's, so they are still, t- again, taking that one acre 
and having plans in 2030 to take the whole thing and make it housing with absolutely no place to move this. And if they do move it, imagine how much that's going to cost to get, they throw around 30 acres, they're looking for 30 acres, but imagine what 30 acres in T-Town County is going to cost the town of Jackson. And, and, that's, and imagine that without all the infrastructure that they want to put on it. So they did put a SPET tax, uh, which was the first SPET tax the town killed. Uh, the fair board put one up for about, I think it was $30 million, and that was the first SPET tax that was uh, nixed by the town. Well, fairgrounds, I mean, historically in Wyoming, I mean, they're the first, one of the first things that were put up by a town, you know, where I live in Buffalo, and and I forget the dates, but late 1800s, I think it was like 1880 or somewhere around there, um, three private individuals put together $300,000 and built the fairgrounds. Well, now, I mean, it's owned by the county. And I mean, there's nothing that a private developer could do. And I imagine that in just about every town in Wyoming, Jackson Hole included, that the fairgrounds really is like the a historic part of the entire community. Oh, yeah. it, it brings in 70,000 visitors uh, in the course of a year to the fairgrounds, people for coming in from the outside. It pulls in from all the, the, the tri-state area, brings people in from Idaho, from Utah, from all of Western Wyoming, indeed the whole of the state, we get rodeo um, groups coming from all over the state, and a lot of people from around the state have fond memories of of doing things there and, and at the rodeo. Now we also have 4-H, FFA. There's the quinceañeras. The whole Hispanic community uses the fairgrounds as the only uh, inexpensive place to have weddings, to have quinceañeras, to have other parties and fiestas. If they tried to do that in the local uh, hotels, it would cost ten times a fortune. Yeah, cost a fortune. So there is that element to this. Um, there is a sense that perhaps the town just wants to become Aspen and, and, and just shed its entire Western and Wyoming heritage. If you got rid of the rodeo and the fairgrounds and didn't replace them. That'd be it. Then that would be it. It would just be a ski town. Well, I think there's also another element to this, too, which... Uh, so right now, snow plowing in Jackson... Uh, when they snowplow the roads, the priority is to snowplow the bike lanes first. Are you kidding? Before you snowplow the roads, yes. And so I think there is a, a movement afoot in, in Jackson to uh, to get to have high density housing all throughout the town and have everybody walk, no cars, kind of the whole twenty thirty plan. Nothing about that place makes sense to me, Nothing. guys. Well, this is a great thing. So when we go around and tell people what's happening there, right, we get two reactions like, I can't believe, I can't believe Jackson's doing this. And then there's a, oh, of course they're doing this. Of course they are. <laughs> so so what, what's the support like in the town for your effort? I think we have great support, you know, uh, and I'd like to give a shout out to Rebecca Bextel, who, you know, started it with me in this. She's in Jerusalem and can't be here, but she's still working hard for this from there. But uh, Rebecca and I have, uh, and, and a lot of our other people, too, have, we have knocked on multiple doors in town and talked to people about this. And I think this is why the town's scared about a referendum and seeing what the, the putting this to the people is because I have found it doesn't matter where, what political spectrum people are in the town. When you say, do you want to save the fairgrounds and rodeo? Like this irrelevant of affordable housing, right? We can find another, if we can find another solution for affordable workforce housing, do you want to keep the fairgrounds and rodeos in town? And they do, they do. So we think the support is huge. And, and then the, it's, 
And it's even bigger in the county. So unfortunately, the people in the county don't have much of a say because they don't get to elect the town council. So I'd even say it's greater in the, the county. So what are you going to do about affordable housing? I mean, if your plan goes through, I mean, is there, do you guys have a plan to? Well, you know, our plan wouldn't be that much different than the town's plan. They're telling everybody that they're not going to touch the rodeo. So uh, other than that one acre, uh, there is, it's not like it's going to be the great panacea assuming they do, if they do bulldoze everything and they build a, even that, even using all 12 acres would not um, do more than put a little dent in the total housing crisis. But we've been talking to a lot of people around the state about other alternatives, other zoning alternatives. You could do it via zoning. You could do it via land swaps. We could do it with a federal federal initiative. And uh, a lot of us in the coalition that we're building, and it's a statewide Indeed, it's it's a na- nationwide coalition that we're building behind the scenes for this. Uh, there's a lot of buzz about well, we could br- we could bring other solutions to bear on the housing crisis that doesn't take away those 12 acres. Well, and I think that's a challenge for every Wyoming community. I mean, it is in Buffalo. Yeah, I mean, it's economies of scale because I mean, nothing compares to Jackson. But in Buffalo, I mean, it's you can't find a rental for you know under well, maybe you could find one for under a thousand dollars, but I mean that's pretty much the going rate for an apartment, and you know if you're if if you're a young person and you're starting a new family, you can't foot the bill for a thousand bucks a month, and you know to to buy a house in town, you're not going to touch something for under three hundred thousand. Sure, sure. And a lot of the homeless problems and a lot of the other housing problems come down to zoning. The the county can rezone things, or you could rezone the town in certain ways, allow people to build extra. Um, rooms on their homes or allow people to build um, <laughs> like what they're doing with the one acre. You could you could build more in-law suites. Uh, that would open up hundreds and hundreds of potential uh, beds in Jackson alone. Well, and this is the other thing. We have one town councilor quoted a few years ago in our newspaper, but there will never, ever be enough housing in Jackson, Wyoming, for everybody who wants to live there. I mean, it just won't happen. They're just, it, it's... Yeah, you could add 5,000 more units. Yeah, and, it would, the, and, and, the amount, and the amount of people that would want to live there at a subsidized rate. Is, right, <laughs> I mean, of course. It's just never, ever going to happen, so... And all right, all right, that doesn't guys. mean there aren't free market, good private solutions that we can come up with if we all put our heads together to actually make Jackson better ways of doing it because they're not doing it well now. But And, and what we found in, in talking to everyone around the state and indeed a lot of the people around the country, everybody likes the idea of, of some sort of housing for people that need it. Of so, course. So that there's, in many ways, there's unanimity in that subject. The question is, but why use the fairgrounds? There's got to be, we're Americans, there's got to be another solution that doesn't take away the, uh, the fairgrounds because once they're gone, they're gone. And as we've seen, there's no other place to put them. All right, so you've been over at the legislature for, you know, the past few days. Yes. What's, what's the support look like over there? We've had amazing support with the elected officials. We've had amazing support with representatives and senators and a lot of people behind the scenes. Uh, we're getting a lot of responses, emails and phone calls from around the state. So yeah, we're, we're feeling pretty positive. Okay, so if, if people want to find out more information about the fairgrounds, how do they get a hold of you guys? Well, we have a website, which is savetherodeogrounds.com. And so we'd love people to check and there's a way to contact. We have a petition on there. Love people to sign that. Um, but what we really do need people to do is to call their representatives and their senators and let them know that they support House Bill 218 to save 
the rodeo grounds and the fairgrounds in Jackson. Okay, guys. Well, um, uh, keep me posted on how this goes, and I'll make sure I follow House Bill 218 and see what happens with it. All right. Thank you. Thank you so much. Well, there you have it. A bunch of Democrats trying to steal the historic Teton County Fairgrounds. Now, it doesn't really matter what your view of the People's Republic of Jackson is. What you need to remember is that the fairgrounds in any Wyoming community is really the epicenter of that town. There is nothing more quintessentially Wyoming than the fairgrounds. And I can't think of a single real Wyoming citizen that's in favor of letting a bunch of Democrats steal any fairgrounds, much less the one in Jackson. So it's House Bill 218 that's trying to stop this effort. And right now, that bill is hung up in the Travel Committee, uh, whose chairman is Park County Representative Sandy Newsom. I suggest that everybody call their elected representatives and tell them to pull that out of Sandy Newsom's drawer. Well, that'll about do it for today's installment of Weekend Update. Now, this isn't a story that you're going to hear in any of the mainstream Wyoming press. Well, they're all a bunch of Democrats, and they'd like nothing more, probably, than to give a fairgrounds to a private developer. Or I'm just assuming that's what they would want. Now, if you're looking for real, honest, truthful news, then you should really check out the Wyoming News Chronicle. Go to the website, wyomingnewschronicle.com. It's news with verified facts and sources. Trust me, you're not going to get any of that in the mainstream Wyoming press. Well, have a good rest of your weekend, and we'll talk again on Monday. From the depths of the Middle Swamp in Wyoming's capital of Cheyenne, I'm David Iverson, and this is the one and only Cowboy State Politics.